This is the Daily Signal podcast for Tuesday, February 21st. I'm Virginia Allen. Many schools across America are struggling to hire teachers. While there are multiple factors driving a shortage of teachers, Daniel Buck says a lack of discipline in the classroom is playing a significant role. Because too many classrooms across America lack discipline, some teachers are walking away from the profession altogether. Buck is the author of What is Wrong with Our Schools, The Ideology Impoverishing Education in America, and How We Can Do Better for Our Students. He joins us on the podcast today to explain how we lost so much discipline in American classrooms and why a restoration of discipline will improve learning outcomes for our kids. Stay tuned for our conversation after this. Want the inside scoop on what's happening here at the Heritage Foundation? Check out Heard at Heritage, an all-new show replacing the Heritage Events podcast. It'll feature cutting-edge analysis and thought from leading experts in and across the conservative movement and, of course, the Heritage Foundation's premier events and programming, brought straight to you. Check it out at heritage.org podcasts. Daniel Buck is the author of the book, What is Wrong with Our Schools? The Ideology Impoverishing Education in America and How We Can Do Better for Our Students. He's also a senior visiting fellow at the Fordham Institute and a teacher. Daniel, thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me on. Glad to be here. So you're in your seventh year of teaching. What do you teach? I teach middle school English language arts. Okay. And what what made you want to become a teacher? Um, I think it was something I wanted to do on and off my whole life. I was kind of always the, not the classroom helper and not, not meaning like I ran errands for the teacher, but I was kind of always helping my friends, teaching my friends. And I always really enjoyed doing that. I never felt burdened like, oh, the teacher's having me help other people, but I enjoyed helping and teaching other kids. And that just kind of um, continued on in college and it's what I pursued as a career. Well, you are are very well versed in this subject. You've literally written a book on it. What is wrong with our schools? You lecture on that issue. Daniel, in your seven years of teaching, what exactly have you seen change in classrooms over the years? Um, Unfortunately, I haven't seen uh, (laughs) too much change. I just continue to see uh, continued mediocrity. most recently, what I've really been um, hammering home and seeing more and more and more of is the removal of consequences and discipline in schools. Um, there's this trend, as you know, in in the broader American politics, everyone's arguing about policing and bail reform. Similar arguments are happening in schools, but people just aren't as aware of it. So they're getting rid of things like suspensions, expulsions, detentions. Um, and there's yeah, there's a school, I think it's in Dallas, that has, you know, instead of uh, if you kick a kid out of class for one reason or another, instead of going to the principal, they go to a reset center where there's bean bags and snacks and they get to hang out. Um, so this idea that we're just kind of going to friendly kids, we're going to just be nice to them and then they're going to behave well, which any parent knows that's not how parenting, that's not how teaching, that's not how raising children works. So I guess recently that's really what I've started to see is just the removal of consequences and discipline from schools. And it's just it's proving a nightmare. I was really interested in a recent piece that you wrote for Fordham that you say in in all the highs and lows of your teaching career, nothing has left me more stress or anxious than student discipline. For those of us who are who are not teachers or who don't have kids in school, fill us in here. Go a little bit deeper. Explain 
What's happening in our classrooms? Why is there this lack of discipline? Um, so, like I said, nothing pro provides as much anxiety as that when you as a teacher walk into a room and you never, you don't know what's going to happen. There's no consistency. Kids feel the same way. Um, since I've become a better teacher, um, I've learned to kind of implement my own consequences in a classroom. Um, I've become much better at classroom management. Uh, but we can't expect perfection from every teacher. We can't expect every teacher to be you know, the kind of teacher that's going to be turned into a Hollywood movie. So teachers are walking into rooms. Um, I've had colleagues that have been cussed out by students. They ask the principal for support, and the principal brings the kid back 10 minutes later with a bag of chips. And what does that communicate to the rest of the kids? Well, we can cuss out. We can disrespect the adults in this building. We can basically do whatever we want, and we get to get away with it. Um, and quickly then, it's not just individual teachers, but whole buildings – um, you know, kids roam the hallways, uh, they're cussing teachers out, they're picking fights, they're doing all of these kinds of things, and schools become much more, you know, like a lord of the flies, this pandemonium, than what we would think of as academic learning centers, where kids are um, reading, where they're studying, where they're learning from a teacher, they're working together in groups. Uh, it just kind of becomes this, this uh, not even, worse than a playground, because playgrounds are at least happy places um, they're places of terror. And what's causing it is, it's honestly the, the wokeification of the rest of America. It's the same thing in schools, this idea that um, adults having authority is oppressive. Um, there's this trendy idea that the teacher-student relationship is the same as the oppressor-oppressor dynamic of Marx. Um, so imposing any kind of rules on children is oppressive, even racist. Um, and, and that's really what's causing it. It's just this, this these woke ideas are um, becoming mainstream in education. And where is this happening? Is this isolated to, you know, maybe public schools in inner cities? Or is this across the board, across America, whether you're in a rural community or in a city, there are public schools where this issue is occurring? This is happening um, pretty much everywhere in the piece I detail um, I'm starting to keep track of individual districts and even whole states that are getting rid of things like suspensions, which no one likes kicking a kid out of school for a few days, uh, but it communicates to the rest of the class, you know, this is the kind of behavior that we don't tolerate here. Um, and it may not necessarily reform that one student, but it protects the learning for everybody else. So again, I'm keeping track of kind of the, the individual districts that are getting rid of these things, states that are getting rid of these things. Um, but yeah, it, it's happening across the board, and there's um, it's hard to pin down because schools are incentivized against honest reporting of discipline because it makes them look bad. Um, but there there's data out there of school leaders reporting an uptick of you know fighting vandalism, um, general classroom disorder and disruptions. They're increasing across the country. So if you would, share some stories with us from teachers that you have talked to of how this is affecting them, it's affecting um, their ability to be able to do their job and educate, but also how, how is this affecting just teachers as people? Uh, one, one story that caught my eye, I'm in the Milwaukee area and there was an open letter to Milwaukee, the, the school board, uh, and the teacher said she is growing fearful of going to work. She and her colleagues are, they dread going to school now. 
uh, and they spend their time trying to put out bigger fires like fights, vandalism, um, the destruction of property. So it's no longer, oh, we have a few kids that are kind of talking too much or throwing, you know, um, paper airplanes across the classroom. Kind of we expect kids to be kids, um, but like desks being broken and kids hitting each other and (laughs) drawing blood in class. Uh, Max Eden and AEI, uh, I'm drawing a blank on what district this came from. Um, but he's done some reporting on this. There's a district that had a basically behavior audit and teachers could um, send in what they're seeing, paragraph reports. Um, and their one quote struck me from it. They were told there wouldn't be suspensions unless there was blood. It's <laughs> just like a horrifying line. Um, but what it does to teachers is it's a, it should be a joyous profession, working with kids, seeing them learn. Um, there's nothing that brings me joy like the productive din of a classroom that's learning. Um, And I enjoy driving to work every day, but I know there are teachers out there that are in chaotic schools that are terrified of going to work, that are are scared of themselves, um, being physically accosted by students, verbally berated by students. But there's also just this dread, this background anxiety, um, what, what aren't my kids going to learn today? And the jump from uh, these kids are disrespectful to uh, I am unworthy of respect, it, it happens quickly and it's emotionally crushing. And it's not necessarily the teacher's fault, right? There are these policies that are causing this disorder, but a lot of teachers put it on themselves and it's just, it's, it's terrible. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What do you think is the role of the teacher versus the role of the administration and the district to be setting these policies? Because you said that you know you figured out some ways in your own classroom to classroom manage, but does that only go so far when you don't have an administration backing you and giving you the authority uh, to really implement strong discipline when necessary? I liken it to a fleet of ships uh, where you might have, you know, the best captain in the fleet can sail from point A to point B on a ship that's leaky with winds that aren't in his favor. So you're going to have teachers that can succeed no matter where they are. Um, but it's certainly going to help if all of the ships are well built and the winds are in your favor. Um, same thing with schools. If you have a consistent behavior policy that's consistently enforced, it's much easier for all of the teachers to um, succeed. And like I said in the very beginning of this podcast, we can't run a school system expecting all teachers to be in the top 25% of teachers. We need to create a system that's going to work for you know, 90% of them. We're going to have standouts. We're going to have duds. But we can't have a school system where 90% of teachers can't succeed. And only this, this, only the stars have functioning classrooms. That's not going to serve teachers. That's not going to serve students. That's not going to serve families. Mm. So how did we get here? Because it, it doesn't feel like that long ago that there was a very different scenario. And um, teachers had a lot of authority in the classroom. And you know, it wasn't that long ago that even you know paddling was allowed in schools. So how have we gone from that to where we are now? It's a couple different things, but it's a it's a story that's not too difficult to tell. Um, discipline debates were kind of going back and forth for eternity in schools, um, for as long as schools have been uh, in existence. 
the this debate really last hit the national stage when Obama um, sent out a dear colleague letter threatening schools with um, uh, basically they, they were going to get sued. There was going to be legal action if there were disparities in consequences. So if black students were being given suspensions more than white students, that kind of inflamed the debate. And then it all we stopped having this debate during the pandemic because schools weren't open. So kids weren't really, you know, you couldn't have misbehavior in class because everyone was at home. Um, and then George Floyd happened and this back and forth that we were having, should we be using suspensions and expulsions? Should we not? Back and forth, back and forth. Um, when the George Floyd event happened, kind of the, the, the disciplinarians just gave up. They, they bent over backwards and they let the progressives run roughshod over them. Um, so we saw a lot of these no excuse charter schools, these schools that were known for their strict discipline, um, putting out uh, statements saying we're going to get rid of things like the expect expectations for silent hallways, um, dropping their uniform rules. One of them, they had this great uh, slogan, work hard and be nice. Um, and they got rid of it because it was it was oppressive. It was suggesting that students should only be submissive, which is like <laughs> it was racist, which is just ludicrous. This idea of work hard, be nice, that this is somehow only a white person thing. It, that is the racist idea, not suggesting that this is a slogan for everyone. Um, so uh, in line with the, the policing debates, um, that kind of turn this debate up to 11 and schools just let go of all punitive discipline while um, municipalities were also trying to defund police and um, implement bail reform and all this kind of stuff. Mm. And did the COVID-19 pandemic, as far as just the isolation of kids and, and having kids online for a year or longer, is, is that playing a role here as well? Most certainly. Uh, this was... We were trending in this direction before. A lot of districts were um, getting rid of suspensions and expulsions before. Um, I talk a fair amount about this that in my book, What is Wrong with Our Schools? Um, I trace these debates back decades. But the it, it kind of was a, a cross of two bad trends. Um, these movement away from punitive discipline and worsening student mental health, the, the, the pandemic put kids in a place where they were isolated. They kind of lost some of these social skills that they had. Um, it made them more anxious and depressed. So they came back to school in a bad place at the same time that schools were kind of loosening all of the screws and getting permissive when it came to behavior. And those two things just created chaos and pandemonium um, right now. Mm. So let's talk solutions. When when you say we got to get discipline back into our schools, back into the classroom, what does that look like? I mean, it looks like not getting rid of suspensions and expulsions. Suspensions and expulsions aren't a solution. I, I don't really love the idea of uh, talking about solutions, so to speak, for behavior. We're never going to solve behavior. Um, whether we want to call it human sin, a natural self-interest, just the idea that evolution has made us imperfect, kids are always going to misbehave. 
um, I think the idea that we're going to solve misbehavior is kind of utopian. It is That's what the progressive idea is. If we just get the system right, then kids are going to behave. And that's, that's never going to happen, right? Even in a perfect system, um, Timmy's going to push Johnny, uh, not because he's bored in class, not because he's hungry, not because he's oppressed, but because he's an eight-year-old. And that's what eight-year-olds do. They, they act out sometimes. Um, so I don't even like the idea of thinking about solving behavior. We need to have a system in place that anticipates and responds to misbehavior. Can we make it better? Can we make it worse? Can we have better curriculum? Can we have better instruction? Um, can our classes be a bit more engaging? Can our boring things like the cafeteria flow or um, schedules like these unsexy debates? Um, yes, that can improve or worsen behavior, but at some point, we're always going to need a disciplinary, rigid structure, boundaries around kids. That's just teaching, that's just parenting, that's just how you raise kids. Yeah. Can you, can you offer some advice to those who are listening who are teachers and who are, are struggling to maintain that order and have discipline in the classroom? Um, and then also maybe offer advice to anyone listening who wants to be a teacher and who's thinking, oh, my goodness, what might I be getting myself into? Um, it's certainly doable. Um, I, this year, my classroom really started to improve when I realized I couldn't rely on my administration for this. And I had to kind of implement all of these things for myself. And it's a it's a balance between being the disciplinarian and also rewarding kids. So both um, sanctioning bad behavior and rewarding good behavior. So some consequences I've implemented in my own class. Uh, I will give up my preps, my prep time to pull kids from lunch to give my own detentions. I will pull individuals from gym class to give my own detentions. Um, extra work for them to do to take home, extra homework. Uh, I've called seven, eight, or nine parents in a single night, both for, hey, your kid did this in my class today. Um, can you take their phone away from me? I don't make that explicit of a request, but that's usually what happens. Or also, hey, your kid got the best grade on this essay. I want to make sure I praise them for it. Um, I have in-classroom rewards where I keep track of um, their grades, how they're behaving, and I pay them out in ca not real cash, classroom cash, that they can then use to buy um, snacks, that they can buy extra credit, they can buy, you know, I have a comfortable rolling chair that they can sit in for 45 minutes of class, those kinds of things. So implementing my own consequences and rewards. This should be a school-wide thing, um, and too often it's not anymore, so I've kind of had to do it in my own classroom. It's a little bit extra work, but in the long run, I've appreciated it because um, I don't have to rely on other people for it. Um, and then also it is just, it is all of the other stuff. It's being engaging in instruction. It's um, using amusing examples to help explain concept. It's picking, not picking books that kids are going to relate to, but helping them relate to books. You know, Romeo and Juliet isn't immediately relatable to kids, but um, helping them see that uh, street fights, that young impetuous, stupid love, that conflicts between parents and kids, these are universal ideas, and it doesn't matter if it's a white guy from 400, 500 years ago, or um, a modern black author, like these, these themes and ideas are universal to the human condition, not to skin color, not to era, you know, time periods or anything like that. Yeah. 
Daniel Buck, the author of What is Wrong with Our Schools. You can find his book on Amazon. But Daniel, thank you for your time today. We, we really appreciate you joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been a great conversation. And that's going to be it for today's episode. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Daily Signal podcast. If you haven't had the chance already, be sure to check out our evening show right here in this same podcast feed where we bring you the top news, the top headlines of the day that you care about and need to know about. Also, make sure that you subscribe to the Daily Signal podcast wherever you like to listen, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We love seeing those five-star ratings and reviews come in. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us today. We hope you have a great Tuesday, and we'll see you right back here at 5 p.m. for our top news edition. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. Executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen and Samantha Asheris. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.